And welcome to episode 8 of the Brood Sages, Stormbound Players with a Head for the Game. I am Freeloader, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Sabaiku and Arthas. Sabaiku, how's it going tonight? Fantastic. Arthas, how the heck are you doing? I'm doing all right today, yeah. Glad to hear it. We are the Brood Sages, and as a reminder, you can always contact us at Brood Sages on Twitter. Or for you people stuck in your old ways, our email address is thebroodsages at gmail.com. So guys... How is your week in Stormbound? So, Baiku. My week was great. I finally made my way up into Diamond. I hadn't really put a lot of effort into laddering before now. Um, I'm not one of the people that sits at Platinum and tries to farm gold. I'm just not really good at it. I I can't concede a game before it starts. Um, but I'm happy that I made my way up and got my end-of-season rewards all set already. And Arthas, how was your week? Well, finally, I got to do the brawl again. Uh, the Toad Yay! Brawl. I finally uh, saved up for it instead of upgrading my cards because <laughs> the Toad Brawl is definitely my favorite one because I think it's just ridiculous. <laughs> and also, I'm uh, you know I'm a Shadowfin lover. I do love the two mana Toads. And also with my Max Chestnuts. Uh, I did oh. feel bad bullying the players now that I'm 19 HP. Real big fat baby whale now. <laughs> but you know that's basically that now i'm grinding gold again nice i need to start doing that i just found in the shop today helio troopers which uh i needed to buy all three of them to hit my max so i am now 30 of 30 ready to go to level five i just need a thousand gold so if anybody has some and they want to share it with me please let me know <laughs> if only there was a way <laughs> right i know um yeah so that was my big thing i'm actually still at plat five uh i think my next win brings me up to plat four i just haven't had time to play on ladder i did win i went undefeated to the fusion stones and the toad brawl this is also one of my favorites as well and yeah that's so so for me actually it was part of the reason why i didn't play a lot this week was i had a lot of other things going on in my life i did turn 40 so i am officially not only just over the hill but i'm i'm gaining speed on the way um, down the welcome other to side. the club <laughs> actually dad loader Exactly. <laughs> so guys, this week, I'm very excited about this. We're introducing a new tool to our listeners and hopefully an even broader audience of uh, Stormbound players out there. This tool uh, we are calling, uh, probably rightfully, the BS Meta Report. And it's designed uh, uh, to help a certain uh, subset of the player base. Subaiku, uh, why are we doing this? We're doing this to help people who maybe aren't quite as fortunate as us, can't quite make their way up to platinum or diamond on a regular basis. We wanted to put something together that would help players understand what kind of decks they should expect to see on the ladder and what kind of decks they should play to counteract that. Right. So uh, what we did was we solicited the help of a subset of the player base. This is a group of people that we knew played a lot of games and specifically played a lot of games at Platinum during the early part of each season because we feel like that's the most indicative of uh, some sort of stable meta. Once people get into Diamond, they tend to either uh, uh, play whatever they feel like playing or they tend to you know, revert to a, a, a slightly more controlling style meta. So we wanted something that was going to help the average player trying to climb. So that's what we were targeting. Including in that group, by the way, is our very own Arthas Rue. Mm -hmm. And what we asked our uh, contributors to do is to please track, um, you know, to a certain degree, the the what they ran into during the first couple of weeks of each season. So, Arthas, what was that like? Well, so for me, 
uh, I actually reached Diamond 1 very early in the season. I think in the first week. I, I couldn't help it though. <laughs> Aaron Gift of the Wise was really strong. I eventually just got there. Not really wanting to, but I did. And uh, if you guys don't already know, you actually cannot drop down from Diamond 1. So I have been stuck there. Now, I know that sounds a bit negative, but the thing is, in Diamond 1, uh, people tend to be playing the same kind of stuff. You know, uh, I saw a lot of Winter Control especially, uh, Aaron Gifted the Wise with some kind of HP gain and spells like Needle Blast, kind of annoying to play against. And sometimes I do like reverting back to Aaron Gifted the Wise just to uh, put them in their place. Their max level deck that gets shut down by my level 4 wheel deck. <laughs> but it's more of... Because of how um, few players there are in Diamond One in the early few in the early weeks, um, you tend to get matched with them like five times the same player like each day. Like you see them a lot, okay. And so there are times where I am just making a deck simply to counterpick them. It's kind of funny, but <laughs> in terms of like the meta, it's a scary meta in Diamond One. I mean, the people who are in Diamond One usually they're like. They have some really top knowledge of the game and they know how to optimize their decks. So I saw a lot of, uh, yeah, Winter Pack Control, Shadowfen Rush, and like Ironclad buffing. And it, I, I gotta say, it is pretty rough to like really um, compete against those decks. But for me as a contributor for this, uh, the BS meta report, um, it's a bit difficult for me being in Diamond 1 because I don't see that much of a variation in meta. Uh, from what I hear from the other participants, though, they are seeing a lot more things. So, you know, it made it a little bit difficult for me, but I think it's all right. We're glad that you suffered through, though. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so in order for us to collect this kind of data, we had to create a um, sort of a, a, a language that we could share across the whole committee of uh, contributors. Uh, so Sabaiku, uh, walk us through. We, we created some archetypes for each faction to make it a little bit more understandable, both for the people tracking and also for everyone who's going to read the meta report. So one thing we didn't want to do was create a hundred different categories that people were trying to slot decks into. Um, you know, if you're playing to go, uh, to go back to the Aaron gift of the wise example, if you're playing a winter deck with Aaron and gift of the wise and blade storm and needle blast, you're playing some sort of control deck. You're looking to stall the game, deny the opponent, their units, deny the opponent, their front continually repel the attacks and eventually develop your own board and win. No matter what card you play at two mana, if it's Frost Hexers or Gifted Recruits or both of them or whatever, it doesn't matter. The function of the deck is still the same. So we wanted to lump everything into that sort of control deck. We also have rush decks, which are the opposite, looking to damage the opponent early and win the game fast, attack the baseline as quickly as possible, and send in some sort of finishing unit after dealing early damage. These are the, the two extremes, and they're pretty self-explanatory, and it's easy to lump decks into one of these two categories. In the middle, we created a third category called mid-range, and this is a sort of flexible archetype that can pivot between rush and control, can play either side of the matchup depending on who their opponent is. It's going to be a mix of good tempo cards and value cards, um, and typically try to buff up units that are already on the board to grind the opponent out of the game and overwhelm a deck looking to control that 
uh, board in front. So those are the three categories that we put together for each of the four factions, leading us to 12 possibilities that we were tracking. Right. Now, a lot of you Magic the Gathering or Hearthstone players out there will recognize mid-range and control. And, you know, if you consider Russia a a drop-in replacement for aggro, those are the three sort of main deck types that you see in some of the other card games out there. Um, You know, for for our listeners at home who are slightly less uh, familiar with it, um, just try to remember that in general... Uh, rush beats mid-range, mid-range beats control because it puts too much value on the ground and control normally beats rush. So it generates sort of an, a rock, paper, scissors triangle of uh, who's favored against who. To your point, though, that's a tendency. It's definitely a bias in favor of one archetype over the other, but it's certainly not an absolute. Oh, for sure. In rock, paper, scissors, the rock is always going to beat scissors every single time. That's not the case in a card game. It just means that in general, the rock is slightly favored against the scissors and, and it's an underdog against the paper. Certainly, it can still make the upset. Um, with that in mind, what we did was we asked our contributors to um, give us a, uh, a a sort of weighted ranking. So I saw more of this deck than that deck. I saw more of deck C than deck B. I saw even less of both of those from deck D, if you will. And we weighted those averages. So across all of the contributors, we learned that a lot of them saw for example, winter pack control that tended to be one of the most commonly seen archetypes on uh, the ladder this month. And we'll talk a little bit later about how and why. Um, conversely, not a lot of people saw winter pack midrange and uh, believe it or not, nobody saw winter pack rush. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> if you're playing winter pack, you're probably playing a control deck. But with that, so so we we tried to uh, provide weights to each of those so that the shared most common viewed decks. If I said it was the most common deck I saw on ladder, and Arthur said it was the second most, that deck is getting a lot of votes just between our two submissions, and then combine that with everyone else. The most common decks bubble to the top. And then we, uh, once we had that, we went back to those contributors and we said, well, based on your experience playing against these decks, here are the top 10 most commonly seen archetypes on ladder so far this month. How would you rate them in terms of their relative power? What's stronger? What's weaker? And Arthas, how did that go? All right. So um, not surprising for the top one spot so far, based on our data, we have winter pack control as the strongest uh, archetype so far and then uh, interesting enough and i'm sure people have uh, seen quite a bit of this as well as uh, ironclad mid-range so that usually goes with a buffing type of playstyle with fort tonic and upgrade point mia yeah i've been seeing those type of decks a lot that would be the second strongest from our data and arthas how easy was it for you to rank those decks based on your experience as to one over the other it's a bit weird because uh let me uh let me reference the rock, paper, scissors you're mentioning because uh, the third strongest archetype from our data is Shadowfen Rush. So interestingly enough, the top three archetypes are either Rush, Midrange, or Control. Very good point. <laughs> and I actually, when I was thinking about that that little analogy where you gave it a rock, paper, scissors, it was actually pretty accurate to my experience. I found it as a Shadowfen Rush player up in the Diamond 1. I found it 
much easier to handle ironclad midrange, you know, despite ironclad midrange being the, the second most used archetype right now. I found it much easier for Shadowfin Rush to beat ironclad midrange, but it also really struggles against winter pack control. Uh, on the other hand, when I do play winter pack control, I actually struggled against ironclad midrange, but Rush was like, no big deal for me. At a level that I play, it kind of depends on like how well the opponent is playing because surely there is that sort of rock, paper, scissors tendency, but there is obviously still the uh, potential to outplay. So it was a bit hard for me because I always, it's not like one really loses against the other. There's just a tendency for it to be more difficult. And it was really hard to just say, nah, this is definitely better. But that's what I was forced to say in the uh, meta report. And that really highlights the subjective nature of this output and that's the reason why we did try to get a number of people contributing to this project to try to smooth that out by averaging yeah i i'd I'd like to just kind of drive this point home real quick to our listeners this is a best efforts right we we can't actually we don't have access to sheepyards data about actual matchup win percentages so this is talking to some of the best and uh, most prolific players in the game and asking them what their experiences have been. Those are small sample sizes in comparison to the whole of all the games being played. We feel like we've done a good enough job of keeping our sample size large enough that it's indicative of the whole. Um, But bear in mind that even if it was exactly the whole, when you yourself only play, let's say, I don't know, uh, let's say you play 60 games, on average two games a day all month, that sample size of 60 games could have a large variance to the true meta. So even if you recognize that this is somewhat limited in how accurate it can be, even if it was perfectly accurate, it's not going to tell you what your exact experience is going to be because your experience is going to be a small subset of the meta as well. With that, though, I would like to say that, you know, Arthas has walked us through some of the the hardships of being on uh, this uh, committee, and we really would like to thank all of them right now for all their help and efforts. Um, We won't go through and name all of them here, but we will be putting each of their names and bios at the bottom of the meta report. So if you scroll down below the strength chart you will see all of the contributors' names. And we would like to just say right now, guys and, and gals, thank you all. It was uh, We can't do this without your help and input. So thank you. Oh, yeah. And it's very easy to participate in this. I mean, all you got to do is do a quick survey twice a month just talking about your experience. And it's you don't even have to write anything down. You just have to... Uh, um, we, we give you the archetype uh, possibilities, and then you kind of just rack them based on how much you've seen, how strong you think they are. That's all it is. So as a Stormbound player, what are you going to use this for? What does it actually tell you? Um, well, it's going to tell you a few things. First, if you look at the first graph, uh, which we've entitled the archetype frequency score, it looks like a donut. We've color-coded it to uh, the factions, and then uh, the lighter colors are more aggressive and the darker colors are more controlling. So by looking at it, our goal is we're trying to give you a visual cue for the frequency at which you should expect to run into each of those deck archetypes on ladder. If the donut one month looks very brightly colored, well, then there's just tons of rush out there of all factions. If it looks very dark like it does now, it's a little bit more of a controlling meta. And in all honesty, considering Hunter's Vengeance got a really good buff, as did Void Surgers, 
I'm not terribly surprised. After that, when you're looking at, okay, so those are the decks that uh, I'm seeing a lot of. Let's say you see a lot of control. Your your first thought might be, well, then maybe I want to try some mid-range. I don't see a ton of, of uh, uh, rush decks being played right now. So perhaps it's a good idea to play a mid-range deck in this. Well, then you can scroll down to the archetype relative power graph below, and you should be able to see which mid-range decks are considered by our committee to be the strongest. And so by taking that sort of two-step approach to understand what it is that you're likely to encounter, it's not guaranteed, but what you're likely to encounter if you play enough games on ladder, then from there you can go down and say, how do I counter the meta by selecting the right deck from below? So guys... With that in mind, walk me through tier one. What does it look like right now? As we alluded to before, the one tier one deck that we have from our meta ranking this month is a winter control deck. Really, these are the decks that are looking to take advantage of the mana acceleration effects in the game, you know, specifically the combo of Aaron and Gift of the Wise, whatever else you can put in there around that. You're definitely going to have some board clears. You're definitely going to have some life gain. You're definitely going to have some runners. I think, Arthas, you can talk us through the version that you've been playing and the success that you've had with that. Basically, I've been playing... Uh actually not really winter control surprisingly it's uh winter runners with Aaron gift to the wise um but it does have a strong control aspect because i run things like ulf you know to keep the game going and uh beat chip but i also have things like twilight prowlers prowlers bladestorm or needle blast to clear frontline which is like very indicative of control but uh the, the versions that i play that i find the most fun in is uh playing the uh winter runners things like Ulf, um, Tigor, Siren of the Seas, really chunky runners. But uh, yeah, it's it's incredibly strong. I mean, that's that's the kind of deck I use to uh, <laughs> to have my revenge on the other Winter Control players. <laughs> that's an interesting deck because it it is a control deck. You're still looking to stall the early game, just beat back your opponent opponent's board with some AOE. But then once you hit your combo and really accelerate your mana, you're able to turn that into damage as opposed to persistent board threats. Yeah, exactly. I end up uh, dealing more damage than they can uh, they than they can dream to heal with their Ulf and Underground Spring. But again, that is just me just counterpicking the people that I end up seeing in Diamond 1. Well, it's a great way to approach it because it gives you some flexible tools right like siren of the seas is a great card because you can use it offensively for damage like you've been talking about but defensively it's a fantastic board clear taking out multiple big minions yeah especially against ironclad mid-rangers at least like two or three big guys all the time siren sometimes just cleans them with ease well that's a good point right the whole the whole point of that ironclad deck is to put too much value for you to deal with and siren is essentially casting confinement three times which is pretty dang sweet surprisingly even siren can feel underwhelming against decks like that oh i'm sure <laughs> but at least you're teching the deck to shore up its weakness a exactly bit. exactly I, I i don't want to beat a dead horse here but i do want to bring up the fact that last time we talked about Aaron. Uh, being one of the most broken cards, if not the most broken card left in the game now that, you know, Queen and Bucks has been sort of fixed. And especially Aaron with Gift is probably the most com uh, problematic combo in the game. Uh, our only tier one deck this first month of the BS Meta Report is the deck that takes advantage of that combo. 
And I think two things are worth uh, mentioning real quick here. One, do we feel like this would be as big of a problem if there was some prohibition? Uh, there was a wonderful post in Reddit discussing this possibility of just making Aaron incapable of casting epic spells just the way Queen is now incapable of summoning or spawning uh, uh, epic units. So that's question number one is, do we feel that that deck drops like, you know, out of contention altogether without the Aaron gift combo? And then number two, why hasn't, with Aaron being so powerful, why hasn't any of the other factions been able to find some sort of tier one-ish control combo with Aaron? I'll ask Arthas first. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure... Uh... I mean, a lot of people are probably, like, screaming behind the screen, like, what? Isn't it obvious? Like, Winter Pack, they have mana game. That thing's freaking unstoppable. And then, not just that, I mean, Berzoza says himself that it's a pretty problematic mechanic. And, uh, yeah, I agree, because Winter Pack, with Gift of the Wise, is one of the few factions that can really control and manipulate the momentum and the flow of the game. And that just makes it incredibly powerful, because the other factions can't really do it to the extent that mana game can do and uh that that's why i mean winter has been finding more success but in my experience i mean with swarm Aaron dark harvest is really fun <laughs> yeah there's definitely something there but it's not as powerful and i think your point is definitely not you have two strong mana acceleration effects in Aaron and gift of the wise and pairing them together is is really the catalyst i don't know if removing the ability to combo them is enough to to drop the deck to an unplayable state, I think having both in there is probably pretty good, but it definitely hurts your early game cycling where you're trying to get those two cards in hand at the same time. Now you're trying to get Aaron and two other spells and Gift of the Wise, and that that's a little harder. Well, I want to talk about the other archetype because I've been playing a lot of uh, Shadow and Rush Uh lately because well i got a little bit tired of winter winter control i find it to be very dirty it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't feel right i mean like the fact that <laughs> the fact that losing in diamond one doesn't really like harm you at all except like maybe a waste of time but not really because you're still learning right i don't want to have to <laughs> keep resulting to playing dirty decks like that also because it would kind of stagnate my skill as a player if i end up relying on those i mean i've talked to a few people now I'm like, hmm, I wonder how many people are not diamond anymore because they can't play Queen Bucks anymore. <laughs> yeah, there there are there are a decent amount of those people who have really relied on those dirty archetypes to uh boost their game. But I don't wanna I don't want to like throw any more flames than you just did. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just I, I like to focus on uh, improving my potential as any way I can. This is how I'm doing it. So I've been playing Shadow Fan Rush. Uh Unfortunately, it's still kind of dirty, but I haven't been playing it that much before because I have recently uh, maxed my Harry Chestnuts, and that card's absolutely ridiculous. Um, especially, wait, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You, you're <laughs> playing Shadowfen Rush with yes. max Chestnuts, yeah. and and, and no, it's what dirty. exactly it's is filthy? Dirty. Oh, it's filthy. It's definitely dirty, but it's not as dirty as freaking Aaron Gifted Weiss. Okay, but you know what? That's the debatable because I am still able to beat some of those decks sometimes. Uh, it's crazy because, you know, Shadow and Rush being 
and the third most used strongest archetype right now according to our data yeah like pairing it with with nuts especially max chestnuts it's just it's absolutely ridiculous i mean with so many runners like lime limbs and like saber paws or even butchers right dealing early base damage like 10 to 12 base damage is like so easy in the in the beginning and then you just chipping them away with max chestnuts with so many like easy cheap options to trigger it it it's uh it is very gross but uh, it's kind of something i have to resort to because so many people are playing ridiculous decks and i have to grind my gold okay i'm kind of forced to <laughs> you hear that people look at what you made arthas do you made him max out his chestnuts and put it back in his shadow fen deck no no i definitely feel i i don't i don't feel that great when i play it but i mean i would sometimes i feel a bit i feel a little bit sadistic and i i, I pair it with my max ubus as well and oh. sometimes it's sometimes it makes me feel good you know <laughs> So so outside of uh, the Shadowfen Rush deck, which I think we can all agree is super powerful, has been, I mean, that's that's how both Sabaiku and I made Diamond Wonder our first time. Uh, that archetype has been doing yeoman's work for a while. And I would like to just make a quick drop to anybody out there who's looking to try to punch higher. Remember that in general, uh, Rush decks, any aggressive style deck in any game, tends to let you punch above your weight a little bit, especially in a game that uses card levels like this. Um, you'll find that you can normally punch a little higher with a rush deck than you can with a mid-ranger control deck. If you're going to choose one, we highly recommend Shadowfen. But Sabaiku, what is it right now about Ironclad? All of Ironclad's uh, archetypes are viable. Top five. Yeah, they're all viable. They're all tier two, which means uh, they're the only faction right now that... If you've got good level cards in it, you can play whatever you want. And I think that really a lot of it comes down to what we talked about last episode, where Linked Golems is just such a good early game card. It allows you to open with a strong board presence, and then you're able to just take that and parlay it into either early damage through a rush or board control with a control deck or just a, a good strong mid-range fortification tonic sort of deck. I think also part of the flexibility in Ironclad comes from its ability to finish, right? You have linked golems on the front as a strong early game. And then on the back end, you can play booming professors and overchargers for chip damage. You can play Mia Siege Assembly for more chip if you want to go a slower control route. You can play Unstable Build in Hearthguard if you're looking for a burst of damage to close the game out. You can play Chaotic Pupil for a cheap big chunk of damage. So the options that Ironclad has allow you to be flexible in the way that you close the game, allowing you to take that early core and and kind of transform it into whatever you think is fun for you to play. Arthas, how much do you think the buff to Mia has impacted Ironclad Control's location in the power rankings? Massive power spike. I am seeing so many level 4 Mias, much more than I ever have. And they're all just like level 5. It, they're all scary. Like, they're more they're more capable of optimizing the structure locations because it is not confined to that surrounding space that Mia has to be in. Now they can play literally anywhere while also putting Mia up in the front line instead of near the structures in the back line. It's very oppressive. And, um, I mean, I, I do... 
kind of like the change because it makes Ironclad a much more uh, engaging faction to play. And uh, I think from the stats, I remember it not being the most played, although it's very, very popular in the high levels. Pretty sure that's because a lot of its good cards are like epic plus rarity, which makes it very hard to level up. And that's also why I haven't been playing Ironclad, because my levels are just not good enough. But it's definitely something I would love to be playing right now. Even Arthas the Whale can't play an Ironclad deck. <laughs> Well, okay, that's not true. It's just I mean I do have my I do have a lot of them at level four, but I just can't compete when I have to mirror match up against level fives. Right, right. That's where the level down really hurts you. Yeah, and that's I'm in the same boat. I haven't played Ironclad as much as I'd like, just because you know level threes and fours don't compete with level fours and fives when you're in the mirror match. Yeah, that definitely applies to any archetype, though. If you're in a mirror match, uh, levels usually have a big advantage unless you're just that skilled of a player right you can mitigate some of it with skill but here you really have to tech your deck for the matchup more than how you play it i think it's more how you build it that's actually really so 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 this is interesting the the viability of playing i'm just going to throw this out there as, as an example level threes and fours ironclad in mid to upper platinum league was higher back when not as many ironclad players were on ladder but now that the faction has gained popularity you're more likely to see a mirror match than you used to be and your lower level cards are now more of a liability than they used to be wow that's a very good point you know we talked about how the core of the deck is linked to a strong early game presence and when your link golems are weaker than your opponents it's just it's doubly as bad because it's not just that unit that's weaker but now it's the unit that got buffed is also stronger than your unit that got buffed so ironclad uh is is kind of sitting as the the you know most versatile faction right now on the far end of that spectrum is Swarm. Swarm can't break tier two with any of its archetypes right now, despite the fact that Swarm Rush is the most commonly seen archetype on ladder. That Probably a lot of that has to do with um, where people have chosen in the past months to invest a lot of their resources, right? That's probably their most maxed out deck in terms of levels. And so they're almost forced to try to keep playing it. Or maybe it's the only deck they really feel comfortable playing on ladder. But either way, it's the most popular archetype to play, but it's also considered right now to be the worst deck in terms of power level out of the top 10 archetypes. Guys, what do you think? May I talk about this one? I have a lot to talk about for this yes, one. Yes, go right ahead. <laughs> and uh, I also want to gloat because hell yeah, to hell with swar- Swarm Rush. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Take that with a large grain of salt. I don't know, just me as a control player. I just don't like having to... I don't like that Swarm Rush has such a high win rate for how cheesy it plays. Like with zero defense oh. and having such a reliable way to win the game. I think it's, I think it's uh, not very respectable. You know, it's hard for me to... Uh... <laughs> no, whoa, hold on a minute. <laughs> but anyway... So you okay, think Swarm Rush <laughs> is dirty, but you also think Winter Control is dirty. Yes. And your Shadowfen Rush deck is dirty. You know, look, D1 is dirty, okay? I regret getting there so early. <laughs> are, are there any clean decks in the game? Uh, Ironclad Rush. That one's very respectable. <laughs> <laughs> Shadowfen Control. Yeah, Swarm Midrange now that uh, Queen can't bring Bucks out feels like a oh, perfectly... Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, a perfectly fair deck to play, which is probably the reason why it's tier yeah, 3. <laughs> I always feel so proud of the person who plays uh, Seder Zoo decks with Moonlit because 
especially when I do get destroyed, I'm like, man, well done, dude. You really deserve it. But <laughs> right, let's speak about the uh, Swarm Rush because from our top ten archetype relative power, Swarm Rush is at the bottom with uh well bottom of the top ten. There are many many factors that go into this, but it's it seems like there's a pretty clear pattern. I mean, with Sheepyard slowly bringing the meta towards the control, buffing things like uh you know like a lot of the spells, um Hunter's Vengeance and Void Surgers especially, and things like dark harvest like all of those like control cards have been making it exceptionally hard for swarm rush to compete i mean we hear it from reckless rush himself master of his own like innovative revolutionary way to play swarm rush he's been getting absolutely destroyed by things like uh void surgers which are very popular now and uh that's definitely that, i'm that pretty deck, sure that deck does not want to see hunter's vengeance ever yeah exactly right um, i'm pretty sure this is one of the direct effects of the, the changes that sheepyard has been making right and uh surprisingly um out of the three swarm archetypes swarm control according to our data is the best of the three which is very very funny because i'm pretty sure swarm control was like the worst archetype for a long time I know a lot of people want to play like things like pillars, right? But it's just oh, yeah. really hard to play pillar control because Swarm just doesn't have that many control cards. I mean, they have a lot of cheap cards, yes, to flood the board. So that's what you would call like board presence. But they don't have that much board control. Board control being clearing enemy units. Because a lot of the cards don't have movement to clear enemy units. Things like Doppelbox, Head Start, Dread Funds. They're just board yep. presence cards. And you're stuck with Broken Truce, which you can only use a limited number of times. Exactly, right? But the fact that Swarm Control is now the highest in terms of the Swarm archetypes, uh, that I find that really, really interesting. But it also makes a lot more sense, especially when you think about the insane buff to Dark Harvest. That thing's a crazy board clear tool and base damage. Dark Harvest is a lot of fun to use now, and I, I agree with your point. The meta is just very hostile to a Swarm Rush deck right now, not even just with the control decks that are being played, but look at the other most popular decks uh, or most powerful decks in our rankings. It's Shadowfen Rush, which typically plays Witches and Toxic Sacrifice and can play defense against that kind of Swarm deck. It's Ironclad Rush with Green Gale Serpents where you're able to clear multiple units and still leave a decent-sized body on the board. It's not just the control decks, it's the kind of Rush decks that are being played also that are just hostile to Swarm Rush and just beat it back. Yeah, I actually, looking at the charts right now, I'm wondering if part of the reason why Shadowfen Control is considered to be so weak right now is because there's just not enough mid-range Swarm being played <laughs> like like in some ways like the, the the best matchups for some of the decks that are struggling right now are just decks that aren't being played much the swarm rush is still being played though you still see the deck on ladder quite a bit and i'll certainly be the first to say that my climb up to diamond was powered by those matchups because that's a really good one for the Shadowfen Rush deck that I play. For sure. There, there are still people playing it and it's still easy to punch above your class, like you said earlier, with a Rush deck. But it's definitely not the most powerful deck you could play if you have the cards to play a, a Rush deck from another faction. It's mm -hmm. definitely recommended right now. Except for Winter Pack. Don't, don't try Winter Pack. <laughs> 
uh, somebody brought up a good point a couple of uh, uh, minutes ago. I didn't want to interrupt with it, but I want to bring it up now. The reason why we show, we will always show as much of the 12 faction archetypes that uh, we can, and we only show 11 this time because literally nobody reported seeing a single Winter Pack Rush deck. So we show 11 this time because zero Rush were seen. The reason why we're only going to show a maximum of 10 in the relative power is because we feel like those last couple of decks are being seen so infrequently that judging their relative strength on such a limited number of games is inappropriate. So we thought we should do a cutoff a little higher than that and say, well, look, you should have at least a certain minimum number of games played against an archetype before you can really judge its strength. So I just want to put that out there. Yes, the numbers don't match, and that's why. All right, so with that, what do we think about this? Did did this, Sabaiko, you gave us our goal up front, which was to, you know, try to give players out there the idea of what's being played, how to counter it, what, you know, within a certain play style or whatever might you want to choose based on relative power. How is this doing? So far, did we hit the mark, you think? Do you think this is a little short? Do you think this is going to be good enough? I think that for our first time through running this survey, putting the data together. I think that this really validates a lot of the thoughts that we had about the meta. And it's it's very gratifying to see, you know, some of the theories that we had kind of come out in the data. Um, I think that we could definitely do it better. I'm already looking forward to next month, maybe expanding our pool of contributors by a little bit to try to get a little more averaging of the data and smooth out some of the discrepancies that we saw between in the disagreements between contributors. And I think the one thing that the tool isn't really going to do right now that I would really like it to do is it's not going to help players optimize their decks. It'll tell you what kind of deck you should be playing, but it doesn't really go into your collection and tell you, okay, of these cards that you have, these are the ones that you should be using here. You know, Stormbound Kitty is a great resource, and we absolutely encourage everybody listening to use it, build up your collection, and kind of take a look at other decks other people have built and see if you can make something that works similarly. But part of the game is definitely that no two collections are identical. And for one player with one card at level four, whereas another player has it at level two, you know, you can't just slot that level two card into the deck and expect it to work the same way. Arthas, wouldn't you say, though, that that's what the Discord is really for, is to try to get that detailed level of deck building assistance? Yeah, you beat me to it. I was about to do some shameless Discord promotions. Not shameless. <laughs> We're here for it, baby, all night long. Yes, please join the Discord. That is literally the best tool. Free, completely free. <laughs> um, best tool for you to find some improvement and to ask for advice from people because they really do help you with um, what you would really need. And there are a lot of people, like ranges, various different experiences from like silver all the way to diamond. Like you can talk to anyone there. I'm, I can guarantee you'll find someone that will give you some good value for your time. Right. Regarding um, how much we've done, I really think we've done a pretty good job based on how much we tried so far, which is the uh, defining the archetypes and getting the data for which is the strongest. I think it really worked well. But yeah, there are some things that we can expand on. Maybe deck advice, but you know, I'm also a bit hesitant to do that 
So I also don't want to overstale, oversaturate the meta by telling people, this is what you should be playing. I think it's good enough of a guidance to say, this is what's really strong. You can you can try and figure out yourself how to play this, but there are other people that can help you. Yeah, there really is there really is a lot of nuance into picking which card you want for that last spot in your deck. It's not easy for sure. And just remember that with Sheepyard changing cards, tweaking them with nerfs and buffs and burfs each month um cards that uh, and archetypes that seem like they're really strong now and, and perhaps worth a lot of investment um might not be there next season in the same sort of tier so you kind of have to take all of it with a bit of a grain of salt and 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 you'll become wiser the more conversations you have uh on discord you'll you'll learn a lot from there um other areas of room for improvement that i think we would like to uh Say so. I will since we haven't told you where to find the meta report until right now. Oh man, (laughs) (laughs) pro podcasters, (laughs) go podcasters! I will mention that this is available on our Stormbound Dash Kitty uh, uh, site. So if you go to Stormbound Dash Kitty dot com and uh, from there, you check out the Brood Sages, which you will find under the Community tab. You click on Community, and there, under the Community, you will see under Miscellaneous Brood Sages Podcast. So Kitty has told us that she will be placing this uh, embedded uh, Google Sheets uh, workbook right in there so that you all can find it. Um, that's where it will be. Uh, visually, it's not the sexiest thing you've ever seen, but it's not it's not bad for a first pass. Remember, this is like version 0.1 or 0.2, um, but it's probably not going to be the most enjoyable mobile experience. And for that, we apologize. Um, we do have some amount of coding skills in this podcast, but um, none of us have the time necessary to really make a nice mobile site for sharing this information right now. We will do the best we can moving forward to try to make it a little bit of a better experience for you guys on mobile. But for now, plan on needing to get back to your tablet or more likely your PC or Mac in order to just um, scroll through it all. Uh, Any and all suggestions for an improvement are, of course, always welcome. And again, you can contact us both at Brood Sages on Twitter and the Brood Sages at gmail.com. Don't forget the Brood Sages channel in the Discord. Oh, that's the channel. Right. Very we good. We have a new channel in the Discord. So if you do join the channel, Arthas, where can they find us there? So in the main server Discord, for the main Stormbound Discord, I mean, there is a Brood Sages channel under the community channels. And it's perfect. This is like probably one of the easiest ways for you to really contact us and talk to us real time and say as many suggestions as you want because it's extremely welcome and we'd love to hear your thoughts about it. And with that, um, that's going to do it for this episode. We hope you guys really enjoy this new tool. We'll be updating it monthly. So look for the next one to come out in the third week of November. I am saying uh, goodbye. We are the Brood Sages. Please follow us on Twitter at Brood Sages. You can always email us at thebroodsages at gmail.com. And until next time, stay hydrated.